0: Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Jason Moore, welcome back to our illustrious duocast. Thanks for inviting me back, Brian. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're here to talk about Ray Deslich. What'd you think of that interview?
1: I thought the interview went really well, it was very informative. What I like about these interviews with people in the film industry is that I get to learn the various facets of movie making and all of what goes into making films. You know, I had somewhat of an idea about how movies and TV shows are made and produced, but then you have an interview with someone who is a set decorator or a production manager or or director, and you realize that it goes way deeper than just directing, shooting, and editing a film or digital video, things that normally to me would be just part of the background and stuff, you don't always pay close attention to, like specific lighting or color palette or furniture or a particular painting on the wall or a vase or something like that, that has been put in there intentionally by a person and has had it cleared with the director and it becomes a permanent part of the aesthetic of the film
0: yeah i i think that's a great way of describing it is there's these layers behind the scenes of how a film comes together yeah and so many people are behind the scenes doing all of these roles serving all of these purposes that the viewers really don't appreciate or are conscious of for good reason as viewers when we're watching a movie we're not supposed to be thinking about the painting on the wall consciously or the color of the couch or whether it's an old beat up couch versus a a brand new contemporary couch or whatever right so those elements of filmmaking are designed to be subconscious and create an aesthetic that doesn't make the viewer really think about them but i love thinking about that and i really appreciate ray's perspective on the chain of command with the production designer and the set decorators and the purchasers or the buyers and how it all comes together yeah because I really like to deconstruct processes like that. And the filmmaking process to me has always been kind of a black box. Like what is going on on a studio set? What is going on on location? And Ray really filled in a lot of gaps for us.
1: Yeah. When I started watching movies back in the day, really, it always seemed to be focused, you know, around who's directing the film, who's starring in the film. Which actors are they going to use in this film? And that seemed to be the most important part of the film when actually none of that would happen without all of these, these other departments and these other people and the various jobs that these people have in the industry to make the film and set up the set and get all the furniture and get all of the, the things that are part of the story as well that you just don't really pay attention to as a regular film viewer all the time.
0: It was kind of cool to talk to ray about promising young woman and that was really the focus of our interview for most of our chat yeah and the reason i really enjoyed that part of our conversation is that promising young woman is a film that i saw back at sundance before the film ever reached theaters and before there was this buzz and the oscar nominations and the golden globe nominations and wins Mm -hmm. so when I first saw it and I talked to the film composer for that film, Anthony Willis, it was fresh in my mind as a brand new film that I really didn't know what to think about. I, I knew it was a powerful film. I knew that I enjoyed it and I thought it was important. and It had an important story to tell and a message. But without the context of the media buzz and all of the reviews that have come in since seeing it at Sundance... It was one of those films that really makes you think, how is this going to land? And how is it going to be perceived by the general public? And then when I talked to Ray, by the time we spoke, all of the awards nominations had already occurred and Promising Young Woman already won a bunch of awards and of course is up for numerous Academy Awards. So it was fun to talk to Ray in that context where Ray started on this project, not knowing where it was going to go and then the uncertainty of the pandemic prevented its release when it was intended to be released and now the film has reached kind of a crescendo in terms of all of this attention and academy award consideration so i love that about this process where you may talk to an artist at a stage in their career where they are working on a project that is so new You don't know what direction it's going to go right and then later on down the road just like when we talked to jeff worlowski at sundance about his film the social dilemma we had no idea where that film was going but it turned out to be a huge hit on netflix and so we re-released that episode to celebrate that release on netflix Mm -hmm. and so you and i are on this journey it seems with these filmmakers at the very early stages of their creative process And we get to follow that into mainstream success. And uh, it feels like we're part of that journey. Well, I think we are. I'm definitely learning a lot about this. And um, I'm just glad to be along for the ride. I'm with you. So, uh, we are talking a few days after the Chauvin verdict. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that police officer's name. But Officer Chauvin was convicted recently in minneapolis Mm -hmm. of three crimes related to the death of george floyd and uh, normally you and i don't talk politics and we don't talk current events very often but this is a verdict that has reverberated throughout the country and has really given hope i think to folks that were hoping for police reform what are your thoughts on the chauvin verdict and how did it hit you Well, when the verdict was read a couple days ago,
1: if you remember, I called you and we had a discussion about how we felt about Derek Chauvin and the jury's finding of guilty on all three counts. And at the time, we were talking about sort of looking into his eyes as the charges were being read by the judge and just seeing the thought process as he's realizing that he's going to jail and possibly for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal this goes way beyond Chauvin and this goes way beyond George Floyd and it goes way beyond Minneapolis. This has been a major problem with some police officers across the entire country that seem to have a much bigger issue with people of color and the way that they tend to be more aggressive and more trigger happy with people of color. Right. Now, not all cops are bad. There are good cops out there, probably more so than bad ones. But you have guys like Chauvin who have a fairly long track record of bad incidents and it gets swept under the rug by the department. In 19 years that Chauvin has been employed by the Minneapolis Police Department, he's had 17 complaints made against him, some of them violent incidents, and only two were dealt with with letters of reprimand. So this is something that should have been handled way before the incident with George Floyd. It could have been completely avoided.
0: Yeah, you've really done your research, man. I'm impressed.
1: Well, it's, it's something that I got thinking about and I'm actually kind of upset about. And I, I think you could probably tell it in my voice that I'm having a hard time with this because this shit just keeps happening. And, you know, it shouldn't have happened at all. And there's so much more. There's so many more incidents that haven't even been reported. And if we don't get a handle on this and retrain these cops and teach them a better way of de-escalating these situations, all this shit's going to keep happening. And more people of color are going to be killed. Yeah, And it just, you know, if you go and look at all of the things that Chauvin was found, sort of, you know, all the complaints that were made about him, some of them are pretty horrible and not just with people of color, but mostly. So, I think this is going to be, he's going to be made into an example, basically. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to use this as a way to start change, hopefully, and hopefully this this change will be made across the board, across the country.
0: Very well said, Jason. I did not research his history at any point before the verdict and haven't since either. For me, all I needed to see was the video. Mm-hmm. And the video showed a murder taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not have been a premeditated murder. All of the charges that he was convicted of were unintentional killing charges. Yeah. So it's not like he got his gun and, and went out and sought George Floyd out and, and shot him in a premeditated way. He participated in an act that should have led a reasonable person to conclude that it would cause serious injury or death. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, And it was against all of the training he had received, according to witnesses that testified at trial against him, including his own superiors and supervisors. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was pretty simple. What I saw was an unlawful killing. It was grossly negligent and bordering on intentional what he did. And so, I think all of the charges are appropriate Yeah, and all of the convictions are appropriate. We were all hoping and expecting the verdict to come in the way it did. But what was odd is that we were nonetheless on the edge of our seats as the verdict was being read. Mm -hmm. And why was it that we were on the edge of our seats? Why was it that we were not confident that he would be convicted? you know in my opinion that's due to a long history of no accountability for police officers exactly so it's it's actually refreshing to see justice being done whatever that means justice in a way that shows that cops will be held accountable and that hopefully reform is in the works i hope so he was one of these
1: guys that you know people had said he's very easy to fly off the handle and escalate a situation into an aggressive violent way especially around people of color so Mm i think i think justice was served and we have another bad cop off the
0: streets it'll be interesting to see what happens with his colleagues who are going to be charged with crimes related to this event i think those trials are still being teed up right now but uh, i bet you his colleagues are pretty scared i'm sure they are yeah as they should be indeed Hopefully, one of the lessons or the takeaways for police departments across the country will be that you can't sit by and let something like this happen without speaking up and taking action.
1: I agree. I mean, those other cops, whether they were participating or not, stood by and watched and let it happen. And that's just as sickening to me. Right. I'm with you, brother.
0: Ugh. Yeah. So that was uh, kind of a, a morbid topic, but I think an important one Because it's a conversation that I think the entire country should be having, and we shouldn't move on after a verdict like that. We should keep having that dialogue and make sure that it stays in the forefront of everyone's consciousness when we're looking at police reforms, when we're looking at electing political officials who run police departments, Mm -hmm. how to hold them accountable. Right. So yeah, I'm glad we had this chat. Me too. I needed to get it off my chest, apparently. I love hearing that passion in your voice, Jason. So normally I ask you, what's coming up next, Jason? In this case, I know what's coming up next because I just (laughs) talked to her the other day. We are going to be launching the interview of Emily James, who is a singer, a songwriter, and a performer. She plays guitar and piano, and she is an indie artist in Los Angeles. She hails from New York City. And I had a lovely chat with Emily. It's fun to talk to younger musicians who are on their way up i've talked about this before when i talk to folks that are legends like bj thomas or don mclean or neil preston you know the rock photographer who has all of these iconic images in american pop culture right it's fun to talk to them as well but you get a different perspective when you're talking to folks that are actually just beginning their career or fairly new into their career and emily james is only 22 years old she just turned 22. wow but she's she's wise beyond her years and has a lot of insight to offer on the songwriting process which i asked her about in detail what is her songwriting process Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons i asked her that question is that i'm going to be soon hopefully taking songwriting lessons from a famous songwriter by the name of sue ennis oh wow okay Sue actually co-wrote, I think, 70-plus songs with Ann and Nancy Wilson from the band Heart. Nice. And also, I'm hoping to interview her soon as well. But um, I'm very interested in the songwriting process. And so, I talked to Emily about that and also her career and how she made her way from New York City to Nashville to Los Angeles, which is very similar to another guest's trajectory that we spoke to just a few months ago, Kylie Rothfield. Right. Although she started in California, then went to Nashville, and then came back to Los Angeles. But it seems like there's a common denominator of Los Angeles here for songwriters, especially if you go back to our interview with Hollis Wong Ware. Oh, yeah. I think that was all the way back in 2019. Yeah. And uh, we talked to Hollis about how important Los Angeles is in terms of geography and being the hub of the entertainment industry. And I talked to Kylie about the same issue and and now Emily James has weighed in on it. So I'm looking forward to sharing that episode and also looking forward to hearing how it sounds after you work your magic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I took a listen to some of her songs and they are very well written, well produced, and they sound wonderful. She's got a great voice. She's very talented. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Right on brother. Right on. Yeah. Well, it's good chatting with you again.
0: Yeah. Thanks for giving me a call, Brian. Until next time, my friend. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path.